Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and let us affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to once again be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil in sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all of the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your holy countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Allow us to find your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you, and may be seated.
And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depths of the wisdom and knowledge of God that the Holy Spirit in these last days by faith reveals the greater and greater and we know newer and newer things. The horizons of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ that is prepared for his children. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. That you may be sons of your Father in Heaven is a command. This was first resounded in the universe and became visible because of this. This earth became, this universe became visible because of the words, let there be light. This brought forth life and resurrected the dead material. <coughs> And from it, the visible universe began from this word. It became the birth of the visible universe. This is a commanding phrase. And here Jesus addresses this commanding phrase to his students because this promise contained in the commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations. And this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not accept God's delegated authority over themselves have no part in the inheritance that is contained in his commandment and are not able to have it. If a person does not acknowledge the order of God in, in the church and that person whom he's placed and then elect for themselves a person whom they will call a pastor, and so often what they'll do is they'll elect themselves a leader, but they'll call themselves as a deacon, and these are not pastors or apostles, these are assistants or helpers in different aspects. Why did people think that a deacon is a pastor? Or an they don't they don't call each other uh, of course they don't acknowledge anybody as an apostle but they do call each other episcopals 
As I was a young boy, I always thought uh, that Episcopals were as these deacons, but and so these deacons when I met them for the first time uh, our regular preacher was a lot more uh, honorable than these so-called than these so-called deacons that were over multiple churches that would come and they would come for a certain amount of time short period of time and leave so it was always a surprise to me relevant to fulfilling this required commandment to be in nature in inner consistency perfect as our heavenly father is perfect we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets that testify of the death of Christ where the Ten Commandments that was against us, the writing was destroyed. Where we die by the law, for the law, to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the Spirit of life, so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. Here it's talking about a unique peace. It's talking about in the inheritance of God. Peace with God it means that everything that God has is yours and you can use it. That's what it means. The inheritance of peace, where there's nothing uh, in between you two, where you can look at him in the eyes and not die, but the opposite, rejoice and experience a light, pleasant wind or a breeze upon your face. But a wicked person with that will be destroyed not all can live amongst the all-consuming flame. So we note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent, together with the person who represents the fatherhood of God for us. Our faith is our obedience to the preached word of God. The preached word is God's faith, Faith is from hearing, but not all have listened or heard the report. There's our faith, there's God's faith that we hear, and it rises up in our heart, not when we read, but when we hear. God created the entire universe with his word, and this word was a seed. When we hear the anointed word, it is the seed. If this word is not anointed, then it cannot be a seed for those who listen. They hear the word, yes, it can uh, inspire his mind, but it cannot enter his heart. 
you need the living seed. And so for the living seed to enter into the heart of man, it is necessary to first clean this heart from dead works. Otherwise, this living seed will not be able to enter because the heart is not able to receive it. It is waiting for materialistic things. He's not waiting for the spiritual and heavenly things. And so the promise of the peace of God is only given to those men that are clothed into the virtue of a student, which has allowed them to obey the order of God according to which he sends us his word by the mouth of his delegated ones. The order is that you will not select for yourself a person. You are not gods. God places his people in his church. And when the church takes the function of God upon themselves and begins to vote for people, this is an abomination. They elect people that would deceive their uncircumcised ears. And so the co covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God, which are the spoken words of his delegated ones. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence <clears throat> into the holy and selective love of God. Selective, that means holy. Holy, that means selective. <clears throat> but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3.14.15 When we say God loves everyone as they are, then we do not demonstrate God's holy selective love, but the kind that loves everyone the same because God is not like this. God does not love everyone without any condition. He loves those who love him. The more a person loves God, the more God will love him. The level of God's love, the measure of God's love, is the measure of the dedication of a person to him. The measure of, of God's love toward you, it will determine your the measure of your hatred toward lawlessness. And the greater a person, God will love such a person. Why did Jacob love Joseph more than all of his sons? Because Joseph was the obedient child. He was obedient and it, this obedience prompted his favor. They're ready to give their life for this child. But when he is a drunkard, disobedient, rebellious, sometimes such a son even physically dies for, for the parents. In the olden days, the first this kind of person was stoned, and the first one to cast the stone was the father. Some people say that Jews love their children more than anyone. To love means to obey uh, discipline. If you don't discipline, that means you hate your children. God loves his children, which is why he punishes them. He disciplines them as a king, as we talked about previously. 
And so according to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. And we need to do this ourselves. God won't do this for us. He gives us his love in the seed of the spoken word. We need to grow it, be clothe ourselves into, uh, into it, and since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and his children. As in every family, there is an order or a plant family even there's an uh, order there are laws in place of how it's going to grow and parameters of of how it grows how high how, how quickly same thing with the person a person will become perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect that is of course if he receives the seed by the preached word being instructed in faith in Scripture, the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit and Scripture, by the preached word of the apostles and prophets in the form of seven unchanging elements. And these are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2-8 We note each of the seven qualities of the fruits of virtue are diluted one in the other and contain the characteristics of all the other qualities, which is why they flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities, these seven characteristics, are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God himself. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. This is the greatest wealth and all of materialistic goods in this world do not compare with these precious promises if we obtain them. Fourth, the given qualities presented in the seven characteristics are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. Fifth, in order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, these seven unchanging characteristics, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, which can happen when we leave infancy. Uh, spir uh, spiritual infancy when we die for this world for our nation for the house of our father for our destructive desires when we will cleanse our conscience from dead works only then the Holy Spirit can come to us yes until this time we've already spoken in tongues yes we prayed but we haven't yet been legitimate medians God heard our prayers that were according to his will those who did that were not he did not hear or listen you often will see in the church people of age uh, that will tell you I will tell you how God worked in the in the 30s or the 40s I remember one elder gentleman uh, came here and said I will tell you how the Lord functioned in the 30s but I asked him brother can you tell me how the Lord is working in you today and he said, no, he did then, but he no longer is today. People have this understanding. They pass on these little stories to one, th one to the other. 
those in the 30s uh, would tell, obviously, then how the Lord had worked or did his work in the, in the 17th century or something, uh, whatever it may be. God continues to do his work and he does his work very he he does his work powerfully within the bodies of men and this truth grows in the heart. Sixth, the means that we are to utilize for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. Seventh, by inheriting these great and precious promises in the form of the fruits of our spirit, we become part of God's divine nature, which is why we and our confessions of the faith of our heart become equal to the words that come out of the mouth of God. If we received his word, it has become the faith of our heart. We receive it in the form of the seed, and we grew it into fruit. And when we confess the fruits of the faith of our heart, then this is these are the words of God, but that are spoken by our mouth, and they in no way are different than the words that God speaks. Since the, since the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is temporary. Sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor, what do I do? I stopped loving my husband or stopped loving my wife. I said, well, learn to lead your feelings uh, with the love agape because the love agape is not are not emotions but the discipline of the mind and heart that leads the horse where you want him to go you yourself need to lead him well, well, so you, you can also then say well you stopped loving God as well whenever you fe don't feel like you do these are not emotions. The scriptures, they fulfill this commandment. And it's hard to fulfill this commandment sometimes, especially when a person works and does his work for the Lord. But he looks, there's no boss behind him. He stopped working. But they pay you per hour. They don't pay you for work but by the hour. And so as soon as they see that the boss isn't there, they stop working. But a person that works for the Lord does not look at whether the boss is there or not. He does it gladly, the work he does, and is satisfied that he can do something for the Lord. If you can imagine your speciality that you hate, can you do it for the Lord? Sometimes a person says to their spouse, do you love me? Can you do this for me? And they say, of course. Then they do it because they they may not like it, but they do it because they love that person. But you can fulfill your job uh, with a good conscience, not because you love your profession necessarily, but because you love God. God will give you wisdom and knowledge, and the job will not be difficult, because when you hate your job, you are as a slave, but when you love your job, you're as one is who is free Psych psychologists have come to the conclusions that a person is given a job one who is free and one who is uh, a slave 
and give them the same job upon, with all conditions, with all, uh, the des all his will, the slave will do the job uh, worse and the free will do it better because he's free. So it's important for us to understand that don't be slaves of sin remain holy the kind that will truly do something uh, with a good conscience and so the power of the selective love of God in the format of seven qualities of these unearthly virtues is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and destroy the stronghold of death in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is into our new person the bond of perfection of the selective love of God is unconditional when it comes to these seven qualities of virtue. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature, the egotistical love of man is blind. It's a blind love. People themselves identified their love. The love is blind. You can even fall in love with a goat because it's blind. And people say, Listen, how can, how, who, who did she fall in love with? You can't even look at him. How did he fall in love with her? Does he not see? People say these kinds of things because uh, these are all blind things. As you, as say, for example, moles in the ground, they don't see very well. They pretty much almost don't see they sense things with uh, other par par other with other senses rather than uh, uh, vision for you fall in love as soon as something said they already hate they already hate and so forth we won't become distracted but those are examples the unconditional nature of the selective love of God in these seven qualities of virtue is different in that it contains the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical goals of man. At the same time, the tolerant love of man toward other men is very conveniently used for greedy and egotistical purposes. Here's what the scriptures say regarding the strength of God's love. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love the love agape, all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. Songs of Solomon 8, 6, 7 The measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 Righteousness and lawlessness are programs that for themselves cannot do anything if they're not put into a programmable system, which is the heart of a man. And to put it is something that a man chooses to do, either the one or the other program. And so in the original... 
God has loved righteousness and the carriers of righteousness and hated lawlessness and the carriers of lawlessness. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7 Not tolerant love, God loves the righteous and hates the lawless, loving only what God loves and hating what God hates. We can demonstrate God's perfection in his reaction toward the righteous who perform good and the unrighteous who perform lawlessness. Oftentimes I'm asked, how do we love, how do we hate here? This is, again, not an emotion, these are actions. If you love me, keep my commandments. And when you keep my commandments, then you don't feel with emotion. Upon the cross, when he was covered with sweat and blood and spat upon, he demonstrated his love to God. This is how he demonstrated love to God, because he loves the Father and he needed to fulfill God's commandment, pay with his life. And to hate, hate is also an action, is to avoid the lawless, don't communicate with them, do not have friendship with them. These are not emotions, these are actions. To communicate with one, make decisions, not to communicate with one and communicate with the other. The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the format of seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ so that we can shine with our light upon the righteous and the unrighteous and pour out our reins according to God's intentions upon the righteous for the good and the unrighteous to punish them. If the rain pours normally, it's a blessing. When it's not normally, then it's already a curse. I was told yesterday we were communicating when brother says I was driving uh, on a truck through California and strong uh, rain was falling and it flooded the uh, the fields of of raspberry that was growing there, raspberry plants that were growing there. There's, uh, and there's uh, places where there's so much uh, rain and uh, there are places like Africa and the world, some places that are totally uh, lacking water and the reason people ask for reasons one of the biggest place for witchcraft is in those areas considering therefore that these seven qualities of virtue identifying the selective love of God do not have an analog in the earthly realm of the human lexicon not in any dictionary of the world the love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral immovable law opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom and this is not all the love of God agape is a sovereign love which which is unconditional when it comes to the people it chooses and its abilities to foreknow and predestine because there exists this uh, deception among the people where people choose only uh, the uh, they choose one word and not the other that God already already foreknew 
Uh, and so those that are already condemned, they can be, they need to they need to consider themselves so and do whatever they want. But it's actually a person who makes the decision uh, where they are and who they will be. God, who is almighty and omnipresent he knows ahead of time what this person will uh, decide or choose and so the one for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren Romans 8.29 because of its sovereignty the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects and never allows her own sovereign rights to as it says I stand at the door and knock if you open the door I will enter and dine with him and he with me in order to hear, you need to have a tower within yourself. Hear the knock on the door. As Prophet Habakkuk says, I stand and stood my, uh, on the rampart to hear what he will say to me. And so one tower that is built into, into a wall is a person who has received in his heart the truth, cleansed his heart, received the truth into his heart, and God then sends the wisdom, the Holy Spirit, that he reveal this truth in the heart. This is what this tower is. The Urim and Thummim that allows you to hear God in your heart and allows God to hear you. And so the selective love of God also never allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, and stop to study the, love, the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory, second or 1 Timothy 3.16 and God has done all of this by his church all these things he does by his church that it be made known to the principalities in heaven the many forms of God's wisdom and on earth you are light to the world so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven God does everything by his church. In hell, if you remember, as the sons of the high priest that were trying to rebuke demons and tried to rebuke him by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And if you remember how the demon mocked them and undressed them and chased them around because their name was not known in hell. The demon said, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? Because their names were not known in hell. And so if in hell the name is not known, and in, on earth and in heaven this person will inherit, not inherit salvation although he will attempt to rebuke demons demons aren't doing this right now as they did then right now they do the, they make it look like they leave somewhere and, and they tell 
tell a person uh, uh, take in more air now spit out this demon spit him out and he will come out in other ways they do is by shaking their hands and and their fingers and they uh, I uh, was did speak to one of these older ladies that was in such a service and so she was shaking her fingers and uh, she uh, trying to also get rid of the uh, demons and the spirit of and so they rebuke demons that are not existent and that they don't need to even be doing and so in these places again a person comes uh, they immediately uh, discover that all these people have the spirit of fornication in them and that they need to be freed from them if you look at their form of, of praise a person that recently repented he came from a criminal world and his brother took him to one of those services the charismatic services this person came to me and told me pastor I told uh, he told me that he told his brother in that place take me out from here right now because I might rape someone because he had no inspiration to repent he had the inspiration to do evil things because all were half naked and so before when the devil would chase people and force them into cemeteries today they're in these pseudo charismatic services because the true charis charisma is practicing of spiritual gifts the word of wisdom but there that doesn't exist their service is to dance and show what they have by demonstrating the signs of the fruits of godliness we identify the true quality of the love of God agape within the heart of a man in his words his actions and the manner in which he dresses which isn't supposed to prompt the instincts of the opposite gender we note that there is a fundamental difference between the goodness of God and his favor toward man and the godliness of man which he is called to demonstrate in his love to God for example <clears throat> the godliness of a man when it comes to God is his favor to God a man's grace for God and his thanksgiving to God it's the ability of a person to visit the fatherless and widow in their hardship and keep themselves from being defiled by the world the godliness of a man is the ability to imitate Christ and meditate about the things of the hills and seek God in his good acceptable and perfect will the godliness of God directed toward man is a responsive reaction of God draw near to me and I will draw near to you God's love uh, is revealed when a person reacts to God's call and when a person reacts to God's call 
then a person immediately begins to thank God. And God then has the desire to save this person because he sees a son in this person. The godliness of God is his goodness toward man, his favor toward man, and his grace as a response again to the favor and grace of a man toward him. His mercifulness, his thanksgiving, his good work and his good acts toward man, and his kindness in the absolute sense of the word. Aside from these characteristics called to identify the character of godliness, there is also a counterfeit form of godliness that exists as well, that will conflict with or resist, and today resists the true form of godliness within the Church of Saints. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. 2 Timothy 3.5 They don't run to the world. Satan uh, brings those that have the form of godliness into the church. There was a a uh, group of uh, uh, brother uh, brothers Pentecost in a Pentecostal church got gathered together uh, and they were asked are you holy and they all were confused about the question because they consider it as uh, arrogant to be able to say that you're holy and they said no they weren't that they're only striving to be and so uh, because if they don't have godliness if they're not holy how do they call dare call themselves episcopals or try to lead the nation of God in this situation if we don't break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness and will not distance ourselves from them that they will corrupt our godliness that is contained in our good habits which is why we together with them will inherit the prepared for them destruction Relevant to this fact, we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What characteristics do the scriptures ascribe the godliness of God and of man? Second, what purpose is godliness called to fulfill within the relationship of God with man and man with God? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to collaborate our godliness with the goodness of God? And fourth, by what signs do we identify that our godliness is truly collaborating with the goodness of God in a specific format? We've already looked at two sides of question four, by which we can determine that we are collaborating our godliness with the goodness of God. First sign is the ability to be a cloud of the Most High or to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because if the Lord senses clouds where he desires, that means that this person is being led by the Holy Spirit. The second sign is to provide God proper basis to call us from the depths of hell where he hid and covered us from his all-consuming wrath. The third sign by which we need to examine and, and determine that we are... By demonstrating the selective love of God, we are collaborating our godliness with the goodness of God is by the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm of David, Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, I, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 1-6 Evidence of the fact that God is our pastor in the given Psalm of David consists of four parts. First, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. Second, the Lord, He leads me beside the still waters. Third, the Lord, He restores my soul. And fourth, the Lord, He leads me in the path of righteousness. To examine yourself and weigh yourself upon the scale plates of righteousness that we possess the listed components is to be done by four other four other components which demonstrate themselves when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We will not fear evil, for God is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. God has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And God has anointed your head with oil, and your cup runs over. Looking at these components, it is necessary for us to look at the essence of each of them in the written word. In a specific format, we've already looked at the essence of the first three components within our heart, which are evidence of the fact that the Lord is our shepherd, and stop to look at the fourth component within our heart, which states that He leads me in the paths of righteousness. The fourth component states the Lord leads us in the path of righteousness which indicates the fact that this person is being led by the Holy Spirit because it is impossible to lead a person upon the paths of righteousness against his will if he does not understand and does not differentiate the path of righteousness from paths of the mind or paths of the wicked and lawless who support the wicked. We've noted that in essence the path of righteousness are paths of the Most High. At the same time the paths of the wicked are their nets into which they catch unstable souls. In Hebrew, paths of righteousness is a net of righteousness, ways of righteousness or ways of the Lord, a furnace which cleans from foreign particles of the soul, the step of righteousness, feet of righteousness, and prints of righteousness, growth, enlargement, and increase upon the paths of righteousness, being grafted <coughs> to the body of Christ upon the paths of righteousness. Considering such a vast definition identifying the essence of the path of righteousness in order to understand how God leads us upon the paths of righteousness and to examine ourselves as to what spirit we are being led, the Holy Spirit or prof or profane to God's spirit, we came to the necessity to at least ensure to look at some of the meanings of the ways of righteousness in the presented signs. With this we need to consider that all of the signs that identify the purpose of the paths of righteousness are dissolved one in the other, consist one in the other, support one the other, and identify the legitimacy of one the other. And re relevant to this, we already looked at three qualities where the path of righteousness discovers themselves in our heart, therefore we will immediately study the fourth. And this is that fourth, the fourth quality and character of the path of righteousness are identified within our heart in the ability to trust, to, to trust the Lord with all of our heart and not lead lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge God as He can direct our path. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and, <coughs> and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 5, 6. The phrase, he shall direct your path, means <coughs> he will cleanse your motives and your goals from foreign ideas. Therefore, if in tight for us situations we are not able to with all of our heart trust upon the faithfulness and safety of the Lord, but rather trust upon our intellectual abilities, then the means that we that we do not then this means that we do not provide God the proper basis to direct our path or to cleanse our motives from foreign particles the thoughts of the carnal mind and consequently we do not have the true godliness which would be able to collaborate with the godliness of God fifth the quality and character of the paths of righteousness is identified within the heart of a man as paths that drip with abundance upon the pastures of our wilderness Psalm 65:11-13 Your paths drip with abundance your drop they drop on the pastures of the wilderness and the little hills rejoice on every side the pastures are clothed with flocks the valleys also <coughs> are covered with grain they shout for joy they also sing Pastures of wilderness upon which the paths of the Lord in the form of his favor drips with abundance in the format of the anointing power of the Holy Spirit is the soil of the heart that is cleansed from dead works. The phrase, the little hills rejoice on every side, means that a person that has within his heart the sign of a covenant with God, having your heart circumcised, will be girded with an upright joy before God. Because a hill always means a covenant with God, where a person makes a vow to God and there's a covenant made. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at all the at the hill of foreskins, J Joshua 5.3. Circumcision is a seal of righteousness, testifying before God that this person is within the boundaries of his covenant. A symbol of our thoughts is a flock of our sheep, which we are called to tend upon the green pastures by the means of obeying the truth, the preached word of the delegated persons from God. Therefore, the phrase, the pastures are clothed with flocks, means the, go the good soil of our heart is clothed with the meditations about the things of the hills. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, they shall again use the speech in the land of Judah and in its cities when I bring back their, cap back their captivity. The Lord bless you, O home of justice and mountain of holiness, and there shall, shall dwell in Judah itself and all its cities together, farmers and those going out with flocks. For I have saved this weary soul and have replenished every sorrowful soul jeremiah 31 23 through 25 the phrase the valleys also are covered with grain they shout for joy they also sing means god favors our work go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for god has already accepted your works ecclesiastes 9 7 if the soil of our heart is not a pasture of the wilderness, which identifies our sanctification from the sinful life of our fathers, which provides God <coughs> grounds to turn his favor upon us, then this means that we do not have the true godliness that can collaborate with the goodness of God. When it's written here, drink with uh, your wine with the joy of heart, that means being filled with the Holy Spirit and not literal wine. Sixth quality and character of the paths of righteousness will be identified within the heart of a 
in the ability to discover wisdom in itself in the tree of life pleasant that is pleasant and is peace for man happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her length of days is in her right hand in her left hand riches and honor her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her proverbs 3:13 through 18 the paths of righteousness leading a person by the way of wisdom to the goals that are placed by God, pleasant and containing peace, because they lead to the erection of the stronghold of eternal life within our body, peace within our, within our body, when we feel discomfort, illnesses of any kind, this is not peace. Here it's talking about the fact that these ways will bring peace in our body. The wisdom of God in the heart of a man in the form of the tree of life is the personified wisdom that comes from above in the heart of a man, in the form of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth within the heart. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. James 3.17 if in the depths of our heart we have not provided the Holy Spirit the proper basis for itself in wisdom, in the form of the fruits of the tree of life, attracting the favor of God, we do not have true, true godliness that could collaborate with the goodness of God. Seventh, the quality and character of the paths of righteousness are in the heart of it of man in the form of the nets of righteousness that will reveal themselves in the confessions of our mouth with when we confess the faith of God abiding within our heart. You are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 6, 2. Confession of the faith of the heart, whether it be negative faith or positive faith, <clears throat> we catch ourselves. When you say nothing is working, then we are captivating ourselves in these uh, nets where nothing will ever work. But when nothing's working, but you say, I can do all things in the Lord who is my strength. The Lord lives before whom I stand. I can do all things in Jesus. Our body, your flesh will be shouting, you can't, you can't, you're killing me. You say, be silent in the name of Jesus. I can do all things in Christ. That is when you fall into a different type of net. Proverbs 6, or 30, Proverbs 30, 28, the spider skillfully grasps with his hands and it is, and is in king's palaces and so you know how a spider waits at the door and as soon as there a airflow a strong air uh, airflow or a gap he then enters and flies into uh, into the into the room God's door is that he is 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 that he, you know that there's uh, there's a fragrance there's a pleasant uh, breeze that is there that's where a person uh, prepares his uh, his uh, web 
and then the Holy S the wind of the Holy Spirit draws him inside. If a person does not consider himself dead to sin and living for God and does not proclaim the not existent as existent, he is not able to web and catch himself in the nets of the words of the faith of the heart, so that in the path of righteousness he would discover himself in the nets of righteousness. And this means that the person does not have a true godliness that would be able to collaborate with the godliness of God. The quality and character of the path of righteousness which reveals themselves in the form of nets of righteousness will be identified within the heart of man as a furnace of testing for the purification of the silver of his salvation from dead works. For you, O God, have tested me. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our back. You have caused me to ride over our ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but you brought us out to rich fulfillment. Psalm 66:10-12. This is again when silver is refined in this furnace, and we are purified. In this 66th Psalm, he is talking about the deliverance of a person from Egyptian slavery, where God has uh, cleansed by fire his nature, cleanses her from dead works. If a person will not be cleansed in the furnace of suffering, he will not be able to enter into the liberty of Christ in order to present the paths of righteousness in the nets of righteousness. And this means that he does not have true godliness that can collaborate with the goodness of God. The paths of righteousness demonstrated in the ways of the Lord, in the heart of man, in the broken tablets of the covenant, in the form of the seed containing in itself the program of the life of God and revealing itself in the new tablets of the covenant, in the fruits of righteousness called to open for us a way to the Canaanite land. Therefore, the broken tablets of the covenant contains the truth that reveals the need of the death of the seed without which it is impossible to bear the fruits of righteousness. Exodus 33, 12-13 Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. Again, obtaining God's favor in the form of fruit. First it was in the form of seed. He grew the seed and he was able to receive favor in the fruit. The necessity of the revelations of the ways of the Lord upon, uh, by, way, by the way of which Moses was able to receive the ability to know God we have paid attention to the fact that in order to know the way of the Lord in our heart, it is necessary to obtain two formats of God's favor. The first format of God's favor we receive in the broken tablets of the covenant, which consists of uh, having our heart upon the right paths of the Lord and receiving justification, identifying the goal that consists in delivering our body from the power of sin and death. We receive the seed of promise that our body will be delivered from the law of sin and death. The second format of, of favor we receive in the new tablets of the covenant, which consists of discovering and knowing the way of the Lord that leads us to the goal of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. And so knowing the goal is not enough. You need that God open up the way to that goal. 
the route to it, so that it not be as it happened. No roads, but just a goal. I trust that all of the allowed, that all who have allowed and have been listening to and knowing and repentant and uh, came to know the way of the Lord that leads to the goals of God, which is to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, would receive justification of the Lord by the gift of grace and the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. <coughs> and so we need to note that there are two forms of favor, again, and if we do not understand the consistency of God's favor, the first form of favor, then we will not be able to uh, obtain then the second form of favor either. And so we receive justification as a guarantee. We haven't done anything. We confessed our sins. We haven't done yet anything for the Lord, and the Lord has accounted justification of Christ, and now we need to invest this seed uh, so that it can bear fruit, righteousness. The first level of favor is given to us in the form of a guarantee, the seed of justification that we are called to invest so that we can bear fruits of righteousness so that we can obtain the second of favor that is adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. And so we will return to look at the dialogue of Moses with God and will attempt to study it within the temple of our body. And we will not forget that studied uh, dialogue with Moses happened uh, in the wilderness at Mountain uh, Sinai when Moses broke the tablets of the covenant. The symbol of Moses in our body is our new person. The nation in our body where our new person is called to whom the our new person is to lead is our intel intelligent and emotional aspects of our soul. The mind and the will. The symbol of Egyptian slavery is the symbol of our soul that is not separated by the truth of the cross of Christ from its nation, house of the Father, and its personal desires to lead our intel intelligent and intelligence and our will, our emotional aspects of our soul from Egyptian slavery, our new person is called to by the power of the mind of Christ that belongs to the mind of the aspect of the spirit by the means of the rod of our mouth to confess the faith of God that abides within our heart. The symbol of the wilderness where the new person is called to lead his soul so he could place it in, and, and make a covenant with God, bind it with a covenant with God, is a total form of sanctification necessary for the dedication of ourselves uh, to God and His covenant. And so for the exodus of our soul from Egypt by the power of the mind of Christ that belongs to the intelligent aspect of our soul and God has known us by name in order to turn God's favor upon ourselves. In the second level of favor, it is necessary to receive a revelation about the way of the Lord 
so we can get to know the Lord, which upon practice means to lead our soul upon the path to the uh, land of Canaan, which is adopting our body from the law of sin and death. And so the revelation of the Lord that leads to adoption of our body by the power of Christ allows us to get to know God. If we will receive a revelation about the ways of the Lord, giving us the right to and power to get to know God, to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, then this means that our favor collaborates with the favor of God. Considering that our time is up, we will bend our knees and our heads and all those who desire to resist their destructive, their corrupt lust desires. This is the worst enemy, the worst enemy that we are called to overcome, the sinful nature of man. God will give you power to overcome him. You will be able to come out and take control of your body, this Canaanite land, to enthrone within your body the stronghold of eternal life. The Lord is vigilant over his word. Our bodies are are aging and are sick, but the time is coming, the day is coming, when our bodies will suddenly be delivered from illness, from poverty, from dependence of sin, dependence of lusts and ambitions. One day when the nation of Israel, the night of the Passover out of the very night, a miracle happened. All of the sick, all those that were disabled were healed in that very night. There was none who were sick among them. And these were slaves that were beaten. They had broken limbs, uh, maybe missing limbs, and uh, Egyptians mocked the slaves in this way. They were missing different things, ears, limbs of different kind, but when they came out, no one was sick, <coughs> and they brought out with them the wealth of Egypt. <coughs> their shoes on their feet did not, uh, <coughs> did not uh, get worse when they walked on the road, and so before the Lord uh, takes his church, he'll make her on earth this very, the same, like this. I believe that you really want this, and I also want this with you, but the way to this is by casting off the old person with his deeds. Repent in your sins, acknowledge them, and the Lord be vigilant over his word, not from what you feel, you need to know that after you confess your sins, he will cleanse you, he will justify you, he will forgive you, and lead you into this promise. Consider yourself dead to sin, living for God. Proclaim the not-existent as existent, and the God of peace will be with you and will lead you to this victory. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray. We wait for you. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. He has enough strength and might to break the shackles of sin uh, and dependence and lead you into his liberty. He greatly desires this and wants to. Don't be disappointed. The fact that you're here is a great mercy of God. He still loves you and wants to free you. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are pure from wrath or doubt. 
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my shame. You see my broken heart. You s I hate sin. I hate my lusts and ambitions of the soul. I love, I love your purity. I love your holiness, your law, your truth. May your favor be upon me. Save me. Wash me. Cleanse me. I reject all my sins. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May God's blessing of the hills, the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be upon you. May the stronghold of death be destroyed in your body, and may the stronghold of life be erected in your body. May all these blessings be on you and your children, and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. God is vigilant over his word that it be fulfilled. God's word is information and we need to receive this information and lead our horse that may not want to obey according to this information. Stop doing things based on what you're feeling, but what you know, this is God's word, God's truth. Our service is over. Let us proclaim our manifestation, our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen